Good evening. Hope you're all doing well. Today we're learning Masecha Sota Da Kaf. Talk about uh, meaningful milestones. Today's daf number in Shas is 1,200, which is a wonderful milestone of uh, of learning, a massive accomplishment, and we're nearing, getting close to the halfway mark of Shas, another 150 blot or so until we're halfway through Shas, which is both amazing and still daunting at the same time. Uh, but for Hashem, no mesech to start on daf aleph. It's always a continuous learning. So even when we're done, we're going to continue more. The Mishnah opens on daf chaf aleph, a quarter of the way down. Now, some of this we've learned already out of context, but this is the primary mari makom for some of the dinim that we're about to learn. First things first. If uh, prior to the erasing and scratching of the Megillah, of the words that, that are at the Pesukim in the Megillah, if she says, Amra shosa, and she says, I'm not drinking, so then, then the Megillah that they wrote, but had yet to be erased, gets buried. Uminchasa, what about the Korban Mincha that had been prepped? We spoke about the preparation of the last couple of days of the Korban Mincha. That's Mispazeres al and they take the flour and they scatter it over the Makam HaDeshen, Ve'in Megillah Sakshir Lahashkos Basot Acheres. And Lemaisa, the Megillah that exists, has to be buried and cannot be used for another Sota. That's din number one and two in the Mishnah. And the next, Nimcha Megillah. Now, let's say the Megillah was erased. And then Ve'amra Tmea Ani. She says, all right, uh, I think it's time to tell the truth <laughs> because I'm about to blow up and I'd really rather not. So she says, I know you guys took this very far. I'm guilty. I slept with someone. Sorry. So then what happens? The Mesota gets poured out. And the same din applies to the Korban Mincha, just like in the previous case, that now that it's ineligible to be brought as a Korban, so therefore it's spread out on the Makam HaDeshen and will end up being uh, burnt with all of the extra pieces uh, of things that are not to be used. The Rishonim write that it gets burnt. What? No, it's it's been in a klishari, so it's Makudash now. So you can't bring it home again anymore. Now you're done. I mean, it's flour, it's not a... You're asking a good halachic question. Oh, right? that we were learning this, this morning. Oh, yeah. About, about fear and salsa. That what? About if, if the Aiden came after she drank and they already had set the flower aside. So the right and one of the other questions whether or not the Aiden were accepted. Because what they had to do if they, if she, if they were Makadish and the Aiden come, they still want to bring. If they're Makadish, the Mincha? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So this is not being put back. That's what, that's what I was asking. Yeah, it's not being put it's back. Being it's being burned. burned. That's what the Rishonim write over here. Um, let me see if I can find a quick Rashi. Yeah, so take a look at Rashi, Dibur Hamaskal al Beis Hadeshen. It's about a quarter of the way down. And he writes, Shehi Bazar, Shesorfin Shamp, Sule, Kodshe Kodashim, Sule, Emurim, Shemachitzasin, Lifnimina, Klein. Okay, details there. All being burned. Third of the way down, the Mishnah continues. Let's say the Megillah was scratched off into the Mesota. The Umrah, and then she says, Eni Shosa, different than what we said in the previous case where she said, Tmea Ani. This language is one step removed. She's not saying Tmea, she's saying, I will not drink. Then, the din that we saw yesterday, Machlokas, who authored it, that we saw yesterday as well. There we force her to drink. We spoke about yesterday, about the kalbus shel barzel, this piece of metal that would be put into her mouth to pry her mouth open, and we mamish force her to drink it. 
אין המספקס לשתוס עד שפניה מוריקוס ועיניה בולטוס, והיא מסמלי סקידן. Let's say she starts drinking, and the miracles take place instantly. She's guilty of sin, and her face starts turning green, and her eyes start to protrude, and her face is מסמלו סקידן, the veins in her forehead are popping out, namely, she's really guilty, and the mesot are taking effect. So then what happens, says the Mishnah, we got to get her out of here because she is going to be metame the makam ha'azara. Okay, so we don't know yet what tumor we're talking about. We're going to analyze that in the Gemara. If a woman who is an Isha Sota has a schus, we'll see what the schus is, at least in part today, then, then even if she's guilty, the mesota may not take effect right away. It'll be tola. It'll be hanging in the balance until a later date. Sometimes a woman can have a merit that would postpone the effects of the mesota for a year. Sometimes it's two years. And mikan, because of this din of tola, Omer ben Azai, chayev adam lelamed es bito Torah, a man is obligated to teach Torah to his daughter. She'im tishte, that if a woman were to drink the mesota and she was guilty and it didn't take effect, so then she might have thought that the Torah wasn't MS. And teda, she has schus tolala. We need to ensure that she has a schus that prevents the mayim hamearerin, the mesota, from causing her to explode. Let me just be super clear here on two fronts. Number one, if a woman learns Torah, it can postpone the effects of the mesota either one year, two years, or three years. That's number one. Number two, if it works under miraculous circumstances, it certainly works under other circumstances. So if we're sitting here and we're learning Torah, and we're being koveitim, that too is a massive protection and it's a limud. It's, a, uh, it's considered a zchus where it can be tola and postpone consequences and uh, hopefully even more. Well, what is, so, so she's got potentially three years. Correct. Is she going there to her husband in the meantime for the two years? Or she has to, or no, she's, she's very committed. She, it's possible that she's 100%. That's a great question. I didn't look into that. I presume she's not allowed to go back if they know that there's a schuss. Three years, uh, she has to, she well, what happens if, in fact, in three years she blows up? That's what I'm saying. And then three years, three years correctly, you have a big problem. So yeah, yeah correct. Right. So part of this is actually a machlokas. What? If she is to hold her, she'll have a brach. There's children that she'll have children. There's time to sell Correct. Oh, I'm asking the opposite mm-hmm. I guess if the bracha doesn't happen in three years, you can die. And is it three years? I, I, All right. Is there a time going on? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I suspect we'll see whether or not. Yeah. It's not in today's blood, that's for sure. Let's see if anybody talks about that quickly. Quickly. Also, like, it's crazy for a woman to drink the mesota if she knows she's guilty. Like, it's it's crazy. It, it's suicide by mesota. Like, she's just, it's either her amuna or she'd rather die that way than be alive and say she was guilty. Correct. But that's an uh, that pulls out the rug. Those cases pull out the rug from under Mesota. That's altogether not Mesota anymore. Right, right. Because there's Adim and Medina Sayam, whatever. Well, correct. And maybe they're Pasola Eidos. It could be, could be, could be there as far as. But again, she knows she did something very wrong. If, if in fact she did, it's a very hard svar. 
Okay, that was the Shita of Benazai about women learning Torah. And now we're going to learn a very well-known piece of Gemara, but not one that always gets to the Gemara for analysis. And today we're not going to analyze, but we will in the near future. Abi Eliezer Omer, that anyone who teaches their, taught, their daughter Torah, it's as if they've taught her Tiflus. According to some, Tiflus is a language uh, of, of intimacy, of inappropriateness, of lewdness. We'll discuss this more in the Gemara at another point. Rabbi Yeshua Omer, and this Gemara is cryptic as well. We'll discuss later in the Gemara to analyze this Mishnah. A woman would prefer one measure and Tiflus, then nine measures and to be totally separate. We're going to leave this as cryptic for now. The Gemara is going to analyze this. And Huhaya Omer, he used to say that Chasid Shote, if you have a Chasid who's a Chasid Shote, it's kindness, but to the point that you're no longer in halachic bounds. I'm going to be such a Baal Chesed that I'm never going to daven. I'm never going to put on tefillin. I'm always doing Chesed as Chesed Shopte. You're too too much. You have an Achrayas. V'rasha Arum. If you have a Rasha who is Be'akmimus uh, she's manipulative. Arum here doesn't mean it doesn't mean undressed. Arum here means that the person is sly and that they're tricky. And V'isha Prusha, a woman who is overly Prusha. We'll discuss what this means later as well. And Umakos Prushan, these are people who are so holy that they have injuries because they're such prushin. You know, they like travel in the airport without wearing their glasses and they are legally blind. And they walk into a wall post and have like a nice indent on their head. It's Mako's prushin. Yeah, they walk into a woman and get a and get a bruise. But as far as they're concerned, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of these people, and this is an important thing for Ashkaf as well, Elu these people are the destroyers of the world, which means that there is a shvil hazam, there's a middle path that we're supposed to take, even in the world of precious, to make sure that we're still doing Ratzon Hashem. Sometimes a person can be overly parsh. Sometimes it's possible to be overly parsh. There is such a thing. Okay, very good. This reminds me of that time that I was in Jewel and the woman behind me was wearing... Arabic head garb, what we would know the hijab. And she turned to me and said, Shalom Aleichem. And, and I just didn't click. Like it was out <laughs> the context. And I just, I I thought that the Shalom Aleichem came from somewhere else. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't say anything. And then she turned to me and she's like, What? You can't say Shalom Aleichem back to me? So I said, What? I'm sorry. I didn't, what'd you say? She said, I said Shalom Aleichem. I said, Aleichem Shalom. <laughs> I had no idea. You ever see this? No. Afla of a fella. There's a group of people who, who hold, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's elsewhere too, but they hold stark that Arabic women have it down for its knees. And that they should approach strange men when they That's really Tanua, right? They got the hijab down, but but, uh, but if you want to talk to someone else's husband in the shuk, <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, she's a yid. She's a yid. And by the way, historically, I'm sure Jewish women dressed that way for millennia. I'm sure in Arabic countries, I'm sure it was standard fare to wear a hijab or be it whatever would be similar or whatever it was. Our job in halacha is to follow halacha. So in some cultures, you cover your hair with a tichel. In some cultures, you cover your hair with a shaitel. In some, in some places, you shave your head altogether and wear a box on top of your shaitel. It's a hundred minhagim. And in Arabic countries, they probably wore a hijab and they probably wore the long uh, garments. That's fine. But you're going to call me out and say, Shalom Aleichem, you, you have to recognize it's out of context for me. This is not normal. And by the way, the women who wear Shetelach, they don't say Shalom Aleichem to me in line. <laughs> Nobody's talking to me. So the woman who decides to dress all Tzanua, really awesome. he's totally out of my element. I'm like, this is not fair. But when she finds like, Shalom Aleichem. Okay, Shalom Aleichem. 
So there's a there's a level of precious. I'm not saying she was wrong. I'm just saying there's a level of precious of things. For example, we have a, the Maharal speaks about this that we never have a din to cover our faces, even even for tzinis purposes, and we never have a din of covering our hands. The Maharal says your panim is your panim. You can't hide that. That's a gilui milsa about you. There's no room to hide that. People need to understand you. It's not a lack of tzinis to see a person's face. If you overdo it, it's okay. If you sexualize something that you shouldn't, you're Okay, it's us, It's not going to become mozer just because you made it bad. If you let's spaktana, that's what the Gemara says elsewhere too. If you, if you take something that's non-intimate and you make it intimate, that's your problem. That's your problem and your issue. Okay, we'll discuss this more another time. Two-thirds of the way down. Amar Rabbi Yehuda, two versions of the same Gemara. Amar Shmuel Mishum Rabbi Meir. So Shmuel says in the name of Rabbi Meir, Kshayisi Lomei Torah Eitzel Rabbi Akiva, Hayisi Matil Kankantum L'Sochadiyo, I used to take kankantum, which was an ingredient that was added to Dio to make it more permanent, and Rabbi Akiva never said anything about it, i.e., no problem adding this in as an ingredient. This is a fine addition to the ingredients of Dio, to the ingredients of ink, to ensure its permanent status. But, Kshebasi Eitzel, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Meir says that when I, I came over to Rabbi Shmuel, Amar Li, Rabbi Shmuel said when I joined his, his yeshiva, and we'll see why he switched yeshivas, Bini, ma what is your profession? Amar Lo, Lavlar Oni. A Lavlar is a sofer. That's Rashi brings this out. We see this throughout Shas. Lavlar was the language of a sofer. So Amar Li, so Rabbi Shmuel says back to uh, Rabbi Meir, Bini, my, my son, Hevi Zahir, you need to be careful. Your job of writing a Sefer Torah is the Malacha, is the work of heaven. Shema Techsar Os Achas, O Tatir Os Achas. Perhaps, Rahman Litzlan, you will take a Sefer Torah and remove one letter or add one letter, and you've caused some serious problems. Nimtseis Atamachriv Es Kola Olam Kulo. So some of the Meforshim write that if you say Hashem Elokechem Ms and you take off the Aleph from Ms, Hashem Elokechem Meis, right? It doesn't take much to ruin a Sefer Torah. It doesn't take much. One psul. And as we know that there are times, Rabbi Robinson asked a Shail about this recently, when do we rely on a katan to distinguish between a resh and between a very long nun, all of these different Shailas that come up in Halacha. Of course, he has to be very careful. But Rav Meir was a big bucky. So Rav Meir responded to Bishmol as follows. Amarti Lo, I said, He kind of skipped really what Rabbi Shmuel was talking about, and he added a new element. And what did he say? Just want to let you know, Rabbi Shmuel, that when I make ink for safros, I add in kankantum, and it's an ingredient that helps with the permanence of the ink. Omar Li, Rabbi Shmuel says back to Rabbi are you in fact allowed to add kankantum to make the, the ink more permanent? That there are times that it has to be erased. What is this Pasuk, pasuk talking about? Us, Sota. The Pasuk reads, But if you use kankantum, so then it's going to be harder to erase. So the Gemara says, what was this odd dialogue? Rabbi Shmuel started this dialogue by saying, you're not allowed to, you got to be careful, don't add a letter, don't subtract the letter. What did he respond with? That's not, that's not a normal dialogue. If I ask you to please go to the store and you respond by telling me something about work, you've missed the first part of the conversation. So the Gemara says, what really was the dialogue that was taking place here? Says the Gemara, last of the short lines. This is what's going on. 
Rameir says, Lomi boya the baki ana. I don't need you to warn me about extra olives and and extra and, and my, minus an olive, adding a vav, losing a vav. I don't need you to warn me about that. I'm a bucky. I don't make those mistakes. Not only that, says Rameir, afilu ela afilu Perhaps you'll say that while the ink is still wet, that a fly will land uh, in the following way. Maybe it will sit on the very small part of the dalad, to the right of the foot that it stands on, to the right of the leg that it stands on. Maybe you'll even say that when the fly puts his leg down and it draws up, it absorbs a little bit of the ink, and now the dalad looks like a reish, what does Rav Meir say? Don't worry. Why? Because end of story number one. Actually, end of version one of, of the same story. So here we started out our, our scenario, or we started out the Brisa here with Rabbi Meir learning from Rabbi Akiva and then switching over to Rabbi Shmuel. And the Gemara says, wait one second, Aini, is that really how the story went? Because there's another Brisa that seems to say that he didn't start learning with Rabbi Akiva, but rather with Rabbi Shmuel. He says, The opposite of the previous brisa. He never said anything, which implies that over here, Rabbi Shmuel was okay with Kan Kantum, whereas in the previous brisa, he was concerned that it was a Ksav She'enu Yochol Inchol. And then, So there's a double question here. Number one, who did he have Shimush from? Did he have Shimush from Rabbi Shmuel or from Rabbi Akiva? And Kasha, number two is Asra. We also have a, a stira within Rabbi Akiva himself and within Rabbi Shmuel himself. Who said what? Says the Gemara, I want to talk about a high level of a Rebbe that you don't belong under. Rabbi Meir wasn't able to understand Rabbi Akiva. Do you understand that sentence? Rabbi Meir, the Tana, couldn't understand Rabbi Akiva. This is what the Gemara says. Rabbi Meir signed up for the honors class. And he's sitting in the front row, as it were, of Rabbi Akiva's shir. And because he couldn't, the Torah couldn't get into his heart. Rabbi Akiva was mamish Sinai Oker Harim. You're talking about the loftiest level of analysis. Rabbi Meir couldn't chap. And because he, because he couldn't get the Torah into his heart, he went there and he got basic traditions, Aleph, Beis, Shas, by heart, presumably, something along those lines. He got everything down by heart. And then Hadar, to get the, the, the underbelly, what really is Halacha all about? Oh, great story. So we answered problem number one about Shimush. We now we know who he learned from. He started with Rabbi Akiva, didn't work. He left and went to Rabbi Shmuel and learned Gomar Gemara. Then he went back to Rabbi Akiva and he was ready and fit to say, this is Shaykh Bani. Good. El Asra Asra Kasha. What about the fact that the Brisa has a stira about Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Akiva as to who holds what? Says the Gemara, you're right, Kasha. That we don't know how to answer. Good question. Tanya, the Gemara continues on the topic of Kan Kantum. The Gemara says, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Omer Hayar Rab Meir, Lekol Matilin Kan Kantum Rabbi Yehuda, quoting Rab Meir, says, We are allowed to use Kan Kantum, this additional ingredient that makes ink more permanent for everything. Putz mi parsha sota bilvad. You can use it for every part of Chumash you want. Breshis noach lech lecha bayer told us all of Sefer Breshis and Neshemos and Vayikra, and most of Bamidbar and all of Dvarim. What can you not use it for? For Parsha Sota Bilvad. Take a look at Rashi. And in case we missed 
Rashi's persona in previous Masechtas. Look what Rashi does in his inimitable way. Rashi says, What that means is that the part... What? Next part of the Gemara is going to analyze this exact line, which means that according to this approach, if you have a Sefer Torah, you're allowed to scratch out the Psukim for Sota to make her drink Mesota out of a, out of a Sefer Torah, Doraisa, regular. So it says the Gemara in the name of Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda is, is Shita number one, that when we write Parsha Sota anywhere on its own Megillah and in Chumash, it doesn't matter, you cannot use Kankantum. Why? Because umacha, it has to be a ksav, which is able to be scratched out. Where, where, what is, what is your story, man? You are like, that's incredible, incredible, beautiful question. We're going to discuss that in the Gemara today, also. Just upset now. Now I'm just upset. What did I accomplish by your age? <laughs> okay, that was Shita number one. That was Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yaakov argues. Rabbi Yaakov Omer Mishmo. He says in the name of Rabbi Meir, Chusmi Parsha Sota Shel Mikdash. Only the one that's written in the Mikdash, namely the one that's actually written for the Sota. But the one in Chumash, no. What's the machlok that's going to be between them? Whether or not you can use a Sefer Torah for the sake of uh, of a Sota. It says the Gemara and Davchafam and Beis, my Beinayu. What is the difference in Rabbi Yehuda, who says that Kankantum can't be used in a Sefer Torah, and the Shita of Rabbi Yaakov, who says that it can be used in a Sefer Torah? That is the Nafkamina between them. That in addition to the fact that they have a Machlokas of where Kankantum can be used, the next layer of that Machlokas is the therefore. For example, Rabbi Huda says that you're not allowed to use kankantum in a chumash, in the Sefer Torah Mamish. What does that mean? That it has to be erasable. What does that mean? That you can use it for a sota. Now, Rabbi Yaakov says that only the Megillah that's in the Mikdash has a, has a restriction on kankantum, because there we need it to be scratched off. What is implied by his shita? That a Sefer Torah cannot use kankantum. Can have kankantum. That's correct. That a Sefer Torah can have kankantum because that's not eligible for scratching off. And says the Gemara, the Hani Tanoi ki Hani Tanoi. These Tanoim actually reflect another machlokas, the Tanya the Brisa writes. Ein Megilasak Shera Lahashkos Basota Acheres. Rabbi Adler's question over here. He says that a Megillah that's written for one cannot be used for another. And Rabbi Achibar Yoshi Amar, no, that's not correct. Megilasak Shera Lahashkos Basota Acheres. So really, we all thought it was obvious. That the ksiva has to be lishma for a sota for her megillah. We're seeing over here that that is a big machlok as tanaim, and those are reflected in our shitas as well. How would they align? Well, according to the shita that a sefer Torah, like Rabbi Yehuda said, can be used for a sota. That means it can be used for more than one sota. It can be used for Rachel, and it can be used for Leah, or it can be used for anybody else. It doesn't matter. Why? Because the ksiva of one sota can be used for another. That would be the shita of Rabbi Yehuda. And that would be the alignment of our shita, is that shita number one that says, uh, that must be the second shita of Rabbi Yaakov. What does Rabbi Yaakov say? You cannot use a Sefer Torah. Why? Because it has to be written lishma. So perhaps, says the Gemara, we can align our machlokas about kankantum between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yaakov with the machlokas in the brisa between the Tanakama and Rabbi Achibar Yoshia. The Gemara rejects this twice over. 
So we're six, seven lines down in Chafam and Beis. The Gemara says, eh, no, I don't agree. Amara, Papa, Dilmalohi. Perhaps your link between the Machlokas about Kankantum and the Machlokas about whether or not a, um, a Megillah can be used for two different women, Lohi, perhaps there's not a good comparison. Because Ad Khan, Loka Amar Tanakam Hosam al Kavan the Intiklishum Rochel, Lohadra Mintikalishum Leah. Perhaps when it comes to a regular Megillah, that of course we cannot do. Aval Torah, but when the, you look in the Torah, you look in the Sefer Torah, like anyone in the Aaron Kodesh, there, the stomach siva, hachenami de machkinan. Maybe the only time we need lishma is when you're writing a distinct and separate Megillah for woman number one on a cloth in the mikdash that you're going to scratch up. There we need lishma. But perhaps by a Sefer Torah, the din is different because that was written stam, that could apply to any woman. Of course, it was written lishma. It was written obviously for the sake of a sota. Obviously, it's in Chumash for that reason. But uh, therefore, the Gemara says we're rejecting that possibility. And the Gemara presents a second reason as to why this machlokas may not be a good comparison. The Gemara says, Amar of Nachman bar Yitzchak Dilmalohi, perhaps the comparison is a bad comparison for the following reasons. Perhaps you can say that by a regular Megillah, we know that we're adding in all these curses, uh, here are all the punishments, and she says, Amen, everything they're writing down, okay. Aval Torah, but when it comes to Torah, you can't use the Torah for a sota. Why not? Because the Torah was meant to learn from. It wasn't meant to be used as a tool in practical halacha. So in other words, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe, please go write a Sefer Torah. And Ledore Doros, it's been three and a half thousand years. We've got the same Sefer Torah. No letters have changed. We're a very consistent people. Got the same exact book. Our values don't change very much, unlike the world around us, where the values flip-flop by the day. Everything changes so quickly. The Torah, we're not going anywhere. Values are the same. But why was the Torah written? It was to teach us Torah. It wasn't to be used for a sota. So that inherently doesn't work, and therefore hachanamid and therefore the Gemara rejects the comparison. What? Is that because of tasev lomina asur? Where is that din? You're in, is that a Gemara? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's the same svara. We're violating an Isra Doraisa on her behalf to start with. It could be that it's the same svara. But it's not just that, because here you're actually postling a Sefer Torah, which is now we're adding in uh, more complexity, not less. But the Gemara doesn't even engage that. The Gemara doesn't even go there. The Gemara just says it's not shy to use it because the, the implication is that... Right. Yeah, the implication is, is that that wouldn't be an issue. The only issue is whether or not we're allowed to, according to this second approach of Rav Nachman Rav Yitzchak, who says that the Torah was lehislami. That's meant to teach us Torah, but it can't be used as a practical tool for Sota. You're not allowed. Okay, so then we, just to analyze one step deeper, we had spoken about this shita in the b'risa that we learned six, seven lines down about Rav Achi Bar Yoshia. What did he say? He said that a Megillah Kshera can be used for another woman. Now we're going to question that. A third of the way down, the Gemara says, Rav Achi Bar Yoshia, Leslie, does he not have the following din, where we learned, and we will soon learn a Masechah's Gittin, 
Let's say that a man writes a get for his wife, Vinimlach, and then they go to couples therapy and they decide to stay married. But now there's a get, and the husband takes it and throws it in the garbage. And then Mitzo Ben Iro, another guy in town, finds the same get. Wow. So you're Chaim ben Ruvain, and she's Rachel ben David. Perfect. Perfect. That's my name and my wife's name, and I'm angry at my wife. I'm going to take the same get that was written for couple one with the same set of names, and it was given to couple number two with the same set of names. What's the din? The second couple is not allowed to use that get. Why? Because it wasn't written for them. So why is it that Rav Achi Bar Yoshia was of the opinion that if we have a din by git, that a get that's written for couple number one is not usable for couple number two, even if their names are identical, why don't we say by sota that because it was written for sota number one, it cannot be used for sota number two? Does Rav Achi Bar Yoshia not agree to this principle that we have in Masechah's Gittin, that the get has to be written for the specific couple? So too by Sota. The Gemara responds, Amri, no, Pasam over there by Gittin, and we'll spend a lot of time analyzing and discussing this Pasuk in the next Masechta. The Chasavla Amarachmana, Bo'inon Ksiva Lishma. We need it to be that the Ksiva of the get is written Lishma. Says the Gemara, do you know what Masechta we're learning? Go back to the basic Psukim of Sota. Hachanami, ve'asala. So why is it that Ravachi Bar Yoshia says that when it comes to Sota, there's no din of Lishma by Ksiva? But when it comes to Get, there is. The Psukim are very similar. Lamaisa, it sounds like there's a din of Lishma over here. The Gemara responds, My Asiya. When the Pasuk says ve'asala by Sota, what does it mean? Mechika. Oh. So this is the Machlokas Tanoim that you were talking about a little bit earlier ago, Rabbi Adler. And that is that when it comes to the Ksiva, there's a Machlokas Tanoim if Ksiva has to be Lishma or not. According to Rav Achibar Bar Yoshia, it does not. And according to, Rav, the, according to the Tanakama, it needs to be written Lishma. And here Rav Achibar Bar Yoshia learns the Pasuk of the Asala to say that yes, there is a Din of Lishma, but it's not by the Ksiva, it's only by the Mechika. If you'll recall in our Mishnah, we said that if a woman starts drinking the Mesota and all of the awful symptoms of the miraculous nature of the Mesota start kicking in, then the Chachamim say, we got to get her out of the Beis HaMikdash. So this is going to be bad. What's the problem? Says the Gemara, money. Who's the author of, of, of our Mishnah? It must be, says the Gemara, Reb Shimonhi. The Amar, uh, the author of our Mishnah has to be Rav Shimon, who says that the Mincha was brought first and the drinking happened after. Why do we know that this is true, that our Mishnah is like Rav Shimon? Because, listen to this, because this is really the Svara of Rav Shimon. The waters don't take any effect until the Korba Mincha is brought. And if she is currently drinking the water and having symptoms, that means that the Korba Mincha must have been brought before she drank the Mesota. And this was a sheet that we learned yesterday. So how they burn the Mincha after she died? They only burn the Mincha if she admits that she's guilty. 
So here we're talking about a case where she's actually drinking the mesota. And over here, what happened? They brought the mincha first, then she drank the mesota, and then there are symptoms. It has to be that way because if it was the other way, she wouldn't have symptoms while she's drinking. If we held like the other tanoim, she couldn't possibly have symptoms while she's drinking it. They'd have to bring the korban mincha first. The haraya, if she's getting symptoms while she's drinking it, it must be that the korban mincha is brought first and the mesota is only after. Halfway down. How do we know this to be true? That if we're seeing the mincha was already brought, and then it's that her symptoms can only happen after the korban mincha is brought. Says the Gemara, wait one second. I understand you want to say that there, that our Mishnah is like Rub Shimon. It has to be, it has to be, says the Gemara, that it's like Rub Shimon because the Korban Mincha has to be brought first. The problem is that Ema Seifa, we look a little bit later in, the, in our Mishnah, we'll see that it's very difficult for our Mishnah to be like the Shita of Rub Shimon. Why is that? Because our Mishnah says just a line later, Later in our Mishnah, it says that if a woman has a schus, that she may end up having a delayed effect from the Mesota. But that's not the sheet of Rib Shimon, that's the sheet of the Rabbana. Because as we learned earlier in the Masechta, the Rib Shimon, Rib Shimon was of the opinion that there is no delay of gain. If you're deserving of Mesota, boom, you're done. No delay of game. So the ratio of the Mishnah you're saying has to be Rib Shimon because the only way that the Korban Mincha, the only way that the Mesota works is if the Korban Mincha is brought, which means the sequence of events has to be Korban Mincha, Mesota, immediate symptoms. But then a line later, we're saying a line that doesn't fit with Rib Shimon. So who's the author of our Mishnah? Doesn't fit. Amr of Chizda Hamani, who in fact is the author of our Mishnah, it is Rabbi Akiva, de Amar, Rabbi Akiva, de Amar, Makrves Minchasa, Vachar Kach Mashke, Ubizchus, Savarlakirabana. So really, Rabbi Akiva is a blend of the two Shitas of Shimon and the Tanakhama. Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon was of the opinion that Mincha came before Mashke, but we don't have Schus Tola. Who is the only Tana who holds that Mincha is before Mashke and Schus is Tola? That is Rabbi Akiva. Beautiful. We got to get her out of here. She's going to die or whatever. What is our concern is really the question. The Gemara says, my time, huh? why did they have to whisk her away? Because the Dilma Mesa, perhaps she's going to die. Says the Gemara, wait one second. You're afraid that she's going to die? Why is that a problem? I mean, it's bad that she's dying, but there's no Tumas Mace issue over here. After all, we know there were different, there was Machana Kahuna, Machana Levia, and then everything else, says the Gemara. We saw this Gemara too. We had learned in a Brisa that a person who's Tame Mace is allowed to enter Machana Levia. Not only can a Tame Mace enter the Machana Levia, even the mace himself, the corpse, can be in the Machan Elavia. You want to tell me you're worried about the Sota dying and therefore we have to whisk her out? Not a problem. There's no nothing wrong with there being a mace in Machan Elavia. How do we know? Shanamar, the Gemara says, two-thirds of the way down, Vaikach Moshes, Atmos Yosef Imo, and the Drashan that is Imo so. So therefore, we're back to our question. What is the halachic reason why the Chachamim wanted to whisk away this Sota, who's now showing all of the symptoms of she's about to die? That what? There's a chance, and we weren't concerned. Yeah, but that was Lifnai Belifnim. There might be a different din over there. Where's, it would what? only be more... Right. 
have to imagine the kind of thing that only be Correct, even more of a concern. Right, we allow him. But here we know more. The, the vados here is more because once she starts drinking and her eyes start to bulge, then they're like, okay, she's a sota. We, uh, we've got moments to spare. Yeah. Must be. Must be. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good riot. So that's why the Gemara says, we don't know why the Chachamim wanted to whisk her out. It can't be because of Tumas Mace. So then the Gemara gives a very uh, very practical answer. Perhaps she would become a Nida. And that means, this is crazy. Just as, Let's just say this in plain English. In Machna Levia, it's okay for someone to be there if they're a corpse. But if it's a woman who is a Nida, it's Asr. She's not, that's what the Gemara says. Which is a little mechudash, No? Because when you when you look at gradations of tuma, yeah, mm -hmm. right. Yeah, it seems clear that, that is the It is the halacha. I'm not questioning it. Yeah. I'm just it's saying it's it's an oddity because it, we would have thought but still, the need is not allowed. So that's what the concern was. And then what does that mean? She was becoming a Sota. And the Gemara says that because she's becoming a Sota, therefore we're concerned she's going to become a Nida. Why would you assume that? So asks the Gemara, Do you think that it's the case that when she has this instantaneous fear that it will soften her insides, it's code word, that she'll become, she'll be bores as nida? Says the Gemara, in, absolutely that's true. Where do we know this from? That she trembled. She was petrified. And what happened when she was petrified? That when there is when there is an instant fear, then it does cause for a woman to menstruate and it causes for her to bleed. Ay, we have a Mishnah, that fear actually prevents a woman from becoming anida. Yet you're saying over here that Be'isusa causes for a woman to become anida. Which one is it? Is fear a trigger for becoming anida? Or is is it a reverse? Is it a creator to be Mesulekes Tamim? So the Gemara says, a fine distinction. When there's fear for an extended period of time, that dries up the body. Bad for the psychology. But biasusa, when it's instant, this moment, everything's happening right now. So biasusa, so then the Gemara says, Mirafia, that does soften the insides. There's different kinds of fear. There's a, let's call it a longer term anxiety, right? And then a shorter term uh, instant fear. They're very different. They're very different. One of them causes the body to constrict and to not, not bleed at all. No menstruation. And uh, the second, it just causes the woman to become a nida right away. Good. Last part of the Gemara, we're three-fourths of the way down on Chaf Bez. We're going to go um, about eight lines down on the top of Chaf Amidal. Says the Gemara, Yesh la zchus, haisa, we had said that there were different gradations of zchus. There was a one-year zchus, and a two-year zchus, and a three-year zchus. So says the Gemara, <laughs> this is a problem because there's no other precedent for this in the Tanaim. Says the Gemara, Mani Masnisen. Who's the author of our Mishnah that there are gradations of one and two and three years that a person, that a woman can can earn for herself as chus that will postpone the effects of the Mesota by one, two, and three years? Lo Abiyosi. 
Ben Chanan, below Rabbi Elazar Ben Yitzchak, Ish Kfar Darom, below Rabbi Shma. It's none of these people, the Tanya. The Brisa writes, eight, nine, ten lines from the bottom. Im yesh lazchus tolala shlosha chodashim kdea karas ubar, divi Rabbi Abba. Rabbi Abba was of the opinion, Rabbi Abba Yossi Ben Chanan. Put the period in the wrong place here. So uh, according to him, it is three months. And that's not like our Mishnah. Rebbe Lazar ben Yitzchak ish kvar darom omer tisha chodashim shenemar v'niksov v'nizra azera u'lahalan omer azera yavdenu yisupar azera roi lesapir has to be a child, a viable child. That's only after nine months. Still, this person also doesn't align with our Mishnah. They can't be the author of our Mishnah. And lastly, Rebbe Shmuel omer shenemasar chodesh that there's a 12-month period, but and this actually does align with our Mishnah, we'll discuss in a moment. And even though there's no crystal clear Raya, that 12 months is a reasonable amount of time for a schus, but uh, I'll bring you a, a soft Raya. What's the Raya? This mm -hmm. is a Pasuk that speaks about Nebuchadnezzar. And the Pasuk says, I'm going to read it with the uh, with the vowels because I, me and Sefer Daniel are not yet friends. The Gemara says, Lahain Malka, Milki Yishbar Allah. I hope that my words will be acceptable to you. That you'll be able to get rid of your sins with charity. You can uh, get rid of some of your iniquities by servicing poor people. Um, you can feed them. And this can create for you more shalva, can create peace. And then the uh, the pasta continues. Uchsiv kilo mata on the buchad netzar malka. Uchsiv liktsas yarchin train asar. That all of the things these things did end up happening to him, but only twelve months later. What do we see from here? Twelve month delay. That's shitas Rabbi Shmuel. That it is possible. And who are we talking about? Nevuchad netzar. Alachas kama v'kama v'kama pialef alfei alafim. We're talking about a yid. <laughs> this is chuyas that we have for doing something good. Of course, it's going to help for sure. So says the Gemara, Laolam, really, it could be that Rabbi Yishmael is our Mishnah. Laolam, Rabbi Yishmael, Ashkach Krop. We have a Pasuk that supports this. Da Amar, Vitani, Dechsiv, Ko Amar Hashem, Al Shlosha Pishe Edom. Said, we have three times. What's three times 12 months? Three years. That fits with our Mishnah. You have one person who could have one, two, or three years. That could be that Rabbi Yishmael is the author of our Mishnah. Says the Gemara, why is it that he says that it's only a raya ladavar, a zecher ladavar, not a raya ladavar? The Gemara says on Chafalif Amaralif, five lines down, Umay Afal Pishain, raya ladavar, zecher ladavar. Says the Gemara, I already hinted to this a little bit, on, not even on purpose, Dilma Shani Ovde Kochavim, Delo Mafkidina Live. Maybe things are different with a guy. You can't learn pretty much anything from Nebuchadnezzar other than what it means to be Mamish Russia. So if that's true, maybe we can't learn from a guy and we can't therefore apply the fact that it's chus will be delayed for 12 months. We'll stop right here. Yer Hashem will pick up again tomorrow night. Wishing you all a beautiful night. I think Rav Yasher, he brings up the thing